Hello, Internet. I'm your husband host, Travis McElroy. And I'm your wife host, Teresa McElroy. And you're listening to Schmanners. It's extraordinary etiquette. For ordinary occasions. Hello, my dove. Hello, dear. How are you? As well as can be expected. It, I don't know what that means. So here's the thing, right? Expect what? Who expects anything these days in, <laughs> in this economy? It's going to be Thanksgiving. It is. It it feels like the the holidays, they they just start coming and they don't stop coming. Yeah things to do people to see places to go things to buy yeah you know it's all just one big dog and pony show uh uh because this episode's about dog shows not a pony show there's no ponies i think a dog and pony show is actually like a circus or like a uh uh i don't know it's not what we're talking about i think you're right i think a dog and pony show is a circus yeah you know, something they used to do, like, in a ring from town to town. Not necessarily, I think, what we're talking about. We, yes, which is dog shows. Yes. Yes. And there is a very famous dog show that will show on TV after the parade on Thanksgiving Day. Yeah. Uh, the Westminster Abbey dog show. No, the Westminster the Westminster dog show. And then the Eastminster dog show. And then the Northminster Dog Show. No, 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 and when no, the no, Southminster no. Dog Show is complete, then will the winds of the world swirl the dogs into one giant tornado? Oh, no. Please don't. Okay. I don't, I'm not sure if I've ever actually, like, watched it. Really? Watched it. But I know that when we, wa- I've watched the parade, and then I've left the television on. So I as to angry. have the dog show in the room. I am angry at myself. That oh, yeah. We have been together now, like, I think almost 14 years. And in that time, I've never made you, like, watch a dog Listen, show. Listen, seven of those years, I have been watching children instead of dog show. Okay. On but, Thanksgiving. Okay. But don't make it sound like kids wouldn't also watch the dog show. And at this point, I'm saying there, there was and, time in there. There would have been time. That I could have shown you a dog show. I would have watched. If I had known, I would have said, I will I will stop cooking and I will watch the children for an hour while everything gets cold and goes gross so that you can watch a dog show. It matters that much to me. I don't want to. I don't want to. Did you miss the last part of that sentence? <laughs> it matters that much to me. Dog shows are incredible. I, I guess. I care more about the Westminster Dog Show than I do the Super Bowl. Now, admittedly, I don't care that much about the Westminster Dog Show. I just don't care that much you know what i really like the puppy bowl yeah puppy bowl rules that's what i really like and i think that that is the perfect marrying of those two things okay and then i would like a dog parade i would love a dog parade you kidding me dog only parade a dog fashion show dog parade dog congress whatever we can get (laughs) i'll take it this this silliness i think has gone a little a little too far okay tell me about the history of dog shows okay Here's a brief description of what this event entails. So this is a, an event where dogs are exhibited and judged. 
They can earn points for a number of things, but are most often judged on temperament, obedience, and structure in accordance to the set standards for their breed. Depending upon who is putting on the dog show, there may be different set standards. I'm going to pause everything right now real quick to make clear that as we talk about dog shows and I talk about how much I enjoy them, that is not me endorsing anything related to like the breeding of purebred dogs. Um, there are plenty of dogs who uh, the the nature of the purebred breed has health complications to it, has things that are not comfortable for the dog. There's been plenty of examples of like breeding in dogs that have made the dog's uh, uh, lives uh, not as comfortable and stuff like that. And also plenty of puppy mill issues when it comes to like pure breeding and selling purebred dogs. And both of our dogs are rescues. Fully acknowledge that. Just want to make that clear. I just like dog shows. That doesn't mean I love like the purebred kind of uh, focus of it. Word. On occasion, these standards are revised, right? Uh, to make the dogs more uh, robust, either health wise or, you know, lead better lives. Um, and so if that's something that you're interested in, the American Kennel Club specifically has a really great website detailing a lot of this stuff, mm. um, which is the Kennel Club that hosts the Post Macy's Day Parade show. The AKC. Yes. Different breeds of dogs are judged males and females separately, Although the dogs are not to be spayed or neutered because they are to potentially breed the next generation of beautiful dogs, right? In one competition, the dog's size, proportions, bone structure, teeth, coat, musculature, movements are all evaluated against this, again, standard that is set by them. Um, And then the best male dog competes against the best female for the best in breed, And then the best in breed winners then compete against other breeds in their group, like large dog, right? That's a group of dogs. Huge dog. (laughs) Big red dogs. And then finally, the group winners compete for best in show. So I just looked it up because I remember an announcement. I had to see what it is. This year, uh, the AKC did announce, or or rather Westminster Dog Show did, that for the first time, mixed breed dogs Mm. will be participating in the agility uh, competition, cool. but they will not be eligible for best in show. So, not all the way, but there will be mixed breed dog representation at the dog show. Nice. We've been parading these pooches for more than 150 years. <gasps> Ooh, yeah, the Westminster Dog Show just saw a pop up. It's like 183 years or some such. The first modern dog show. 138. Was... Yeah, 138. I switched it. Yeah. The first modern, you keep saying Westminster. Yeah. You mean AKC? Well, the Westminster Dog Show is, I think, a big one. Hold on. Have I been making this up this whole time? Westminster is a big dog show for all sorts of dogs, not just big dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Westminster Dog Show. The Westminster Kennel Club Dog Show. Yes, I am talking about different ones. So the Westminster yes. Dog Show is in May. Yes, That's... and the AKC is the one on Thanksgiving. Correct. Yes. Okay. That, that is what I, I thought. Okay. So the first modern dog show was held in Newcastle upon Tyne in June of 1859. Wow. Interestingly, though, 
dogs were kind of the side act because this was supposed to be a cattle show. And if you know the Brits and their beef, they're big into it, right? Yeah, they, they love it. Listen, to beef and dairy network. Yeah, they're wild about this. There's stuff. a whole there's a whole beef eater society, right? And um, people were eager to register their fur babies, um, but it was more of a rural community, so it was mostly sporting breeds, right? That were useful for farming. So like uh, settlers and pointers, mm-hmm. um, farming and hunting. And so, you know, they were awarded firearms as prizes because, again, a very rural community. Sure. But like, you know, this was this is a pretty humble beginning for what would later become the, the dog show circuit. And the first show later uh, to include non-sporting breeds was held in Birmingham later in the year. The event was such a wild success that the Birmingham Dog Show Society was formed and created the first national dog show, Ooh, which was for national dogs, massively popular. Yeah, I can imagine dogs are cool. Two hundred sixty-seven entries, thirty breeds, forty-two classes. Only one champion. <laughs> yes, I'm not quite. I mean, one best in show, right? Sure. That that's a champion. Yeah. The organizer of the event was Richard Brailsford. He was a gamekeeper of the estate that belonged to the Earl of Derby. Uh, of course. He submitted his own dog, the Earl did, a pointer named Juno, uh, in 1862, where she won a first prize. Mm, huh, huh, a little convenient, don't you think? Uh, that the gamekeeper for the Earl started the event and the Earl's dog won it? A little sus. Anyway. I'm reopening this investigation. <laughs> uh, from that point on, Dog shows spread rapidly throughout the English aristocracy. Um, and, you know, the, those are the people who made dog breeding fashionable and respectable as a hobby, whereas before it was kind of just necessity. Right? Well, and not only that, I mean, really, just uh, it doesn't take much to see, like, as obsessed as they are about purebred in dogs and uh, horses and stuff and in the aristocracy itself, mm-hmm. that then you're like, okay, so we've all got purebred dogs. How do I prove that my purebred dog is better than your purebred dog will have them compete? So Indeed. that I can have a trophy that says, my dog is a better version of this dog than yours. <laughs> so by the end of the 1860s, the National Dog Show boasted over 700 dogs and 20,000 paying visitors. Wow. So it was, you know, a, a hobby on the rise, right? And for some... To become, I guess, a business. I mean, Absolutely we talk about a circuit, right? Right. Um, it, it was kind of like people who like do chili at the state fair. Right. Right. Very, very popular within those those circles of people. Yeah. Um, but it is very quickly. I mean, chili at the state fair is, is great. But like dog shows have become a, like a spectator sport. Well, even the Chili at the State Fair, there are people who are like, and then I dig it to this one, and then mm-hmm. this one, and this one, and I'm competing for prizes, and hopefully wanting to like sell my recipe or get sponsored by people and stuff like that. Right. Um, at the time, the fanciest way to become fancy was to show your dog in London. Oh, yeah. Uh, 18- even now, sometimes, if I could, I'd fly Buttercup over there and just stand in the middle of the street and hold her <laughs> up. And Look at this. Look at this dog, everybody. Notice me. 1862, the very first show in London held at the Agricultural Hall in 
Islington, 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 I'm, Islington. And so then the next year they moved out to the Cremorne Gardens in Chelsea, mm-hmm. um, and boasted as many as a hundred thousand visitors. Wow! One bigger venue, more spectators. That's a lot right? of people. Um, and then that same year, Paris hosted their first dog show, um, and it became so popular that the Prince of Wales. Attended. That guy? Yeah. He came out of the ocean and said, I'll leave all my whale subjects behind. I must see this. Do you so, get it? Yeah, okay. I do. I do. The elite at these events, the um, not only elite people, but elite dogs, oh. uh, began to feel like there should be certain standards upheld. It was wildly subjective at this point, right? Um, you know, quality and qualification. Were they owned in one by an town. earl? Sure. Uh, Might not even be discussed at the next show, right? So there was no standard at this time. And so a British politician named C. Wallace Evelyn Shirley. Which of that was a first and last? What's hyphenated in there? There's no no hyphens. Three first names, I guess. I don't know where the names (laughs) begin or end. I don't know either. Okay. Those Brits... In 1873, um, organized and founded the Kennel Club in London in April of 1873. Uh, The hope, obviously, was to bring standards to dog shows so that everyone could be working off of the same kind of like rubric. And you don't mean standards like who we let in or whatever, but rather of like judgment guide, right? Of like you're looking for this, you're looking for this, you're looking for this. Exactly, exactly. I mean, I'm sure there was a lot of the who do we let in mm-hmm. stuff too, but. Um, and so the Kennel Club's first organized show was at the Crystal Palace in 1873, which became one of their preferred venues, along with a second show at the Alexandra Palace. Um, and so these shows became enormous affairs, requiring professional organizations to handle guests and dogs and the general hectic nature of getting these kind of events running. Um, And this is where Charles Gruft enters the stage. Charles McGruff? No. Charles Gruft uh, fell into this position. (laughs) He's not a dog. He's a person. Hey, you could see where I might get confused. McGruff the crime dog is an anthro- anthropomorphic dog, even. It's not really... He, so you wouldn't let him compete? Oh, no, sounds like somebody's got a little chip on her shoulder. He's a human-sized dog. Okay. Proportioned. Uh-huh. Cartoon. So he's not allowed in your fancy dog show? Nope. Oh, okay. Anyway. Um, <laughs> that he, feels like a crime. He because uh, he would be upset about it. Yeah, and he, he could would, talk. Oh yeah, you're right. He would be upset. I'm going to investigate this. I don't know if I've ever heard him. That's speak. how McGruff. That's how McGruff talks. Take oh. a bite out of crime. Okay, I believe you. Now we're going to look it out after this. I'm showing you so many videos. <laughs> he started out as um, as a purveyor of dog biscuits to uh, aristocratic owners, um, and then saw potential far beyond hawking dog treats. Mm. Um, He had lots of connections with these fancy people and began rubbing elbows with specialist breed clubs and used his connections to organize his first show in Paris as part of L'Exposition Universelle de 1878. Mm. I don't know how to say all those numbers in in French. You nailed it. Uh, Then he took his shows to Glasgow, to Edinburgh, to Brussels, all these different places, because he was an excellent 
marketer. He was one of the first ones to use advertisements and stories to create doggy PR campaigns. Right. To like get you to root for certain contestants. Indeed. Indeed. <gasps> Brilliant. He also brought much needed in- innovation to the dog show circuit. He designed special railway carriages to help ensure that the prized pooches could safely travel to the show. So important. Um, and by 1891, an all breed show was established in his honor and it still bears his name today. The McGruff competition. No, no. Gruffed? Gruffed. Gruft. Cruft. Cruft. With a C. C Oh, okay. C-R-U-F-T. Cruft. Okay. Makes a lot more sense. It does. Hey, before we keep going, how about a thank you note for our sponsors? (music) Teresa? Mm? I would like to teach you about Podia. And I know you don't know anything about it because we've definitely never talked about it before. But you'll see why me saying I want to teach you about it is very appropriate. Okay, just wait. Because Podia is a platform that gives you everything you need to run an online business. They've got a website builder. You can host and sell online courses. Ah. So it's like I'm teaching you about how to teach people. I get it. Okay. You can also do digital downloads, distribute your email marketing, and run your online community. Podia is easy to set up, edit, and design yourself. No tech expert required. You will not need to ask your nephew about this one. You'll just be able to do it yourself. That's That's good. That smart nephew... You don't need to call him. You know, you can, you should. I mean, you should check in on him, not just when you need, like, IT help. You know, I I bet that Henry is better at at computers than me. Oh, without fail. Baby, he's better at Pokemon than me. He's better at Spider-Man than me. Why wouldn't he be better at computers? Especially if it's touchpad. I mean, forget about it. Oh, kids these days with their tablets. Ugh. Ah. But you won't you won't need Henry for no, this. No, you won't need Henry because you'll be able to do it easy. It's easy to use. Uh, it, you can do multiple things in one place, which I don't know if you're like me, you need that because you'll never remember to check all those places. And so everything is in one place with one login. You don't have to figure out how to use or connect a bunch of tools. It all just works and it all just works together. Podia also starts at the best price, free. You heard me right, not three, free. You can start a community, build a full website, make your products, and start your email marketing all for free when you sign up at podia.com slash schmanners. That's P-O-D-I-A dot com slash schmanners. Have you ever wanted to know the sad lore behind Chuck E. Cheese's love of birthday parties? Or my Saturday mornings are reserved for cartoons? Or have you wanted to know how beloved virtual pet site Neopets fell into the hands of Scientologists? Or how a former Mattel employee managed to grow Sega into a video game powerhouse. Join us, hosts Austin and Brenda, and learn all of these things and more at Secret Histories of Nerd Mysteries, now on Maximum Fun. I'm Yucky Jessica. I'm Chuck Crudsworth. And this is Terrible. A podcast where we talk about things we hate that are awful. Today we're discussing Wonderful, a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. Hosts Rachel and Griffin McElroy, a real-life married couple. Yuck. Discuss a wide range of topics. Music, video games, poetry, snacks. But I hate all that stuff. I know you do, Yucky Jessica. It comes out every Wednesday, the worst day of the week, wherever you download your podcasts. For our next topic, we're talking Fiona, the baby hippo from the Cincinnati Zoo. I hate this little hippo.
Okay. Where were we, my love? Well, we were celebrating Charles Gruft. Of course we were. Gruft. I'm sorry I broke your brain. I know, baby, and I take full responsibility of it. Please forgive me. Please forgive me for talking about McGruff too much again. Uh, Third time this week. So here's the thing. You can do some pretty cool stuff and still be a little sketch. Oh, no. What did Gruff do? Well, he tend to focus more on quantity of dogs instead of breed quality. He was also pretty flashy and commercial for the time. Oh, and he had a little bit of a reputation for being a grifter. So he would like routinely exaggerate the number of dogs in his shows to attract more news coverage. But then he would have rules that only, quote, subscribers could actually win prizes. Hey, everybody, go smash that like and subscribe button. Get your dog <laughs> out of here. We got one billion dogs. That's right, a billion dogs. But only if you subscribe to my channel can you get it. Um. And, you know, these kind of shows also attracted a little bit of controversy, not just his shows. Um, In the 1890s, dog shows were attended by all classes, right? Royalty, middle, working class, um, with the caveat that they had to be respectable, working class, whatever that means. All right. Um, So, you know, lots of people, all walks of life come into the shows, but also the the dog breeds accepted had expanded. And so more and more people means more and more drama. Um, Tell me about it. Well, winning dogs, very valuable. Stud fees on top uh, dogs were rising by the minute. And many of these shows offered cash prizes. so So people get robbed? Stealing yeah, dogs? Stealing dogs, right? Oh, and you mentioned stud fees. So there's stud fees for winning dogs. There's also like buying puppies from, so like my dog growing up, uh, our family friend had a show winning uh, dog named McDougal, if I remember correctly. He was a Scottish Terrier and he sired a litter with a Scottish Terrier, once again, show winner named Belle. Um, and that is where my dog Nessie came from. I got her for free because she was the runt of the litter. And she, I probably would have gotten her free anyways because she was like my mom's best friend. But normally, puppies sired and damned by uh, show winners ain't cheap. That's right. Also, the these judges, who are they? Could they be bought? Of course. Are they, hey, are baby, they friends with certain breeders? Maybe they're uh, the gamekeeper for the Earl, whose dog mm. happens to be in the competition. But we're talking 1890s. Of course they would be bought. And probably pretty cheaply. Probably. Probably everybody would be weirded out if someone wasn't bought. So it was not unheard of for there to be spats between competitors sure. and judges and audience members when rulings were perceived as unfair or, you know, all those types of things, right? Um, yeah, that dog won. What are you talking about? He took a poop in the middle of the thing. Uh, never mind. Forget about it. Like, mm-hmm. ah, my dog's a hero. That dog's a zero. But there, this, you know, from the very beginning, the idea of a dog show didn't sit very well with people um, because... Most of the dogs, especially at the beginning, were sporting dogs, right? And they were assessed on their look and shape rather than their abilities. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to say because it, it was exploitative, but I'm betting in like the 1860s, they weren't worried about that so no, much. No, they, they weren't. So then the argument became, do we want pretty dogs or do we want dogs that are intelligent and helpful, right? Yeah, because once you're talking about breed standard, right, if they're there to serve, like if you're talking about like a herding dog or a like a hunting dog mm-hmm. or something like that, it's like, okay, well, 
cool. It looks great. But if we're talking about breed standard, it would have to be part of that as well, right? And now there are agility competitions and things like that that are kind of like parsed out from that, like sheep herding dog competitions and things like that. But at the time and largely now... It's more based on dog looks. If you've never seen a dog do a long jump competition, like off of a pier or something, treat yourself to some slow motion videos of dogs leaping through the air like absolute superheroes. It's incredible. Oh, my God. So uh, some unscrupulous practices followed, right? People would trim dogs' ears for better shapes. Ugh, they would color, the worst. color a dog's coat for better shine. Some would go so far as swapping out inferior animals at the last moment in troubling cases of canine identity theft. What? There was even a report. they would ruin their canine credit. So there was a report once, canine credit. Thank you. (laughs) Like a a credit check. Yeah, but for dogs. Dogs, I get it. How many bones can you get and pay them back? I don't trust you. (laughs) Uh, There was a report of the same dog winning two competitions across the country in the same week. How did he do that? It turned out the dog had a secret stunt double so that the actual champion could be whisked away to another competition right after awards. And the double sat out doing the other appearances the rest of the show. Is that illegal? Um, It's not it's, it's great. Frowned, it's frowned, it's frowned upon. Because, mm. I mean, as long as the champion was the one who was being judged, right? And then gone somewhere else to get get judged. But part of the show, right? Yeah, it's like right. you're paying, you want to see the winning dog and like take a picture with it or whatever. Sketch it. I don't know what time period we're talking about. We like to do that kind of stuff too. Also, the kennel club at this time was challenged over the safety precautions, right? Mm-hmm. Owners reported that some dog shows were petri dishes for fleas and sure. other doggy diseases. Also, having so many dogs close together can be absolute chaos, right? Barking and escaping and fighting. And I mean, these dogs weren't neutered, right? So lots of... Um, per- uh, potential unwanted pregnancies. Whoopsies. Yeah. So... The Kennel Club. And um, can't stress enough, like we talked about earlier, when you have purebred dogs, right, and you're someone who cares deeply about that, then you probably care deeply about having purebred pups. And there are people who are like, uh, you've ruined my dog. And it's like, well, your dog, I don't know, was being a hussy or whatever. <laughs> and, like, that would cause a lot of fights about, like, well, you're going to have to pay me for the because now she won't be able to put out a litter like this year, and you're costing this much money. About yeah, they yeah. take it very seriously. Very seriously. So, the kennel club needed to um, quote get their life together, right? Mm. Um, so, they brought in a sanitary company. The Jai's Sanitary Company became an important sponsor of these shows, making sure the dogs were kept in hygienic conditions. They also finally set the judging standards, um, a series of standardized points that list desirable features for each point of the dog's body. For example, minimum height, preferred shape of head, required confirmation of front and hind legs. You know, and all of these, these qualifiers change from breed to breed, right? Also, They decided to start validating the identities of the dogs. They came up with a stud book 
So you could record the lineage of your dog and their, you know, or your kennel of dogs, right? Um, Another reason that the uh, having uh, two parents that are show winners mm -hmm. is important to be able to say, like, and we can trace their lineage back through all these show winners. And this is why this puppy is worth so much money. Uh, And they were allowed to backdate them all the way back to the year of the first dog show. And by 1880, it became the National Register of Pedigrees. And you can still, on the American Kennel Club website, look at some doggy family trees. Yeah, Nessie was Nessie was registered with AKC. I did not do it, uh, but when she was born, the litter was registered by uh, the the people. You know, my mom's friends, mm-hmm. um, and so she was registered. Which I, when I'm being a ten year old boy, did really appreciate. Did take a lot of pride <laughs> in. Uh, and so 1884 is when the American Kennel Club is established. Um, and they just turned, like you said, 139, actually. Um, and it's estimated that on Thanksgiving every year, roughly 20 million people tune in after the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Um, so if you're one of those people, we hope you have a great time watching this year. Um, after all, everybody worked pretty hard to get there, right? I'm going to make sure you watch it. Okay. You that ha- you have to like fun. You know the girls will be into it. I the hope girls, so. Like we've had to stop as you're driving, saying, "Oh, look at that dog!" Because by the time the kids like look up and uh, orient themselves, we're past it, and then they're very sad. <laughs> so sometimes you see a dog, and you're like, "Oh, look at <sighs> keep it to yourself, Travis. Don't share the dog with the world." I would like to go over some etiquette for attending a dog show in person. Oh, please! I can't even imagine. Uh, then what a dream! To be there amongst the champions? <gasps> I mean. What if I got to wink at one of them? Can you imagine? <laughs> a thing I used to do uh, when I worked at PetSmart. I didn't <laughs> care about other, but I'd make wink eye contact dogs. with a dog and wink at the dog. And I'd be like, if I get caught doing this, I think I'm the person will be mad. I don't know why. I don't think be. that you could get close enough to a dog in the ring to, to really wink at it. I, I mean, mean, you could I have can fun. wink from pretty far away. <laughs> I don't want to toot my own But would horn. it be appreciated? I don't think so. By me? Okay, go on. Okay, so. Um, here are some uh, etiquette tips from the American Kennel Club. Be very aware of time um, because these can be multi-day shows or smaller local ones. If you're at an official dog show, they run a tight ship because there are no do-overs, no timeouts. um, And so the handlers are on it, right? Um, so don't talk to a handler about their dog until after yeah. they've been shown. Um, you probably shouldn't do that anyways. They're focused. That dog is locked are. in. They are very focused. Um, abide by the signage and, you know, avoid anything roped off. There are certain areas only for competitors or for judges. Maybe there's a hospitality tent or, or whatever it is, right? Don't eat the dog's biscuits. Those sure. are their biscuits. Mm-hmm. They work hard for those biscuits. And they're... They probably taste like dog food, right? Well, okay. You don't need to yuck anybody's yum. People, there, I'm sure there are people who enjoy dog food. Sure. Sure. A lot of it is just like peanut butter and wheat or whatever. It's oh, fine. Oh, I guess that's true. Gone, gone are the days of what's in that dog food. Yeah. You could eat you could eat dog biscuits and not just be fine. Really enjoy it. I've heard. <laughs> All right. Um, absolutely ask before you pet. Not for the regular reasons, right? We always say that you should um, you should ask if you can pet their dog um, because 
you want to make sure that you are not putting yourself or the dog in danger. But for I mean, that this still one, holds. But. Absolutely. But for other reasons, right? A lot of these are judged merely on appearance. So they might have special grooming, right, yeah. to take place before the competition. Also, um, I mean, they are accustomed to strangers, but it's a high stakes environment. Yeah. Um, don't bring any unentered dogs to the showgrounds. Obviously, if you have a medical animal or or have needs for a service dog, there are exceptions to that. Um, but, you know, you're not really supposed to put one sitting next to you in the crowd. Yeah. Um, you know, they're sharing the dogs are already sharing pretty tight quarters and the handlers are probably working overtime to distract their dogs. And so bringing your own dog from home could cause some unwanted ruckus. Um, also, children are not encouraged at these events. They're highly unpredictable. I know this. What? Yes, children. No, wait, hold on. Kids? <laughs> um, also, a lot of these show dogs... Um, may not have been socialized with children. And because children are unpredictable, it can make dogs very anxious, Yeah, right? Um, and, and kids also usually have food on them, and that can be very distracting yep, for dogs. Yeah, definitely food, right? Uh, and especially children in strollers are right at dog level. Mm. So, I mean, at worst, you get a child who's covered in drool and, and you know, things like that, but it could very well stress out your child. Yeah, right? that too. Being right there. Um, these are formal events, at least business formal, right? Um, so much so that the exhibitors and the judges refer to each other as sir and ma'am. Mm. Um, so no blue language, uh, with the exception of the word bitch, because it really does it, mean a it, yes. female dog. Um, so no swears and try not to giggle, right? Um I mean, I can try. <laughs> and uh, you mentioned that Nessie was the product of a couple of champion dogs. Correct. But this is... McTavish. N- that was his name. Not McDougal. McTavish and Bell. Oh, I would have been so embarrassed if I didn't remember that. <laughs> but this is not the time to negotiate and shop for puppies. Yeah. Um, because, again, this is the time where they're, like, competing and earning these accolades, not where we're trying to, like, um, make money, right? right. Uh, they do have show catalogs usually available, and then you can contact the breeders from there. Uh, photography rules vary by venue. Um, most dog shows have specific rules about what is and what not is, is allowed to be photographed. Um, and this is a, an event where the applause is highly controlled as well. Um, the dogs are concentrating, right? And there's a, there's a pretty high stakes with all the dogs in the ring. They want to make sure that they are not stressed out. So there, it's not like a, a loud cheering event, yeah. right? More think golf claps. Sure. Um, and like you said, the food. Having food around dogs um, is a good way to not have food anymore because the dogs will have your food. So there are usually very specific areas where food is allowed and don't keep any treats on your person. 
I know that that feels nice when you're like in a park and you can give a dog a treat, but this this is not when that happens. To be fair, along those lines, you also shouldn't be just giving random dogs random treats unless you get an okay from the owner. Because yes. you don't know what the dietary needs of that dog are. Indeed. So, as as we said, I will be watching this year. Yeah. And I hope that you enjoy it as well. Speaking of watching this year, uh, coming up soon, we've got our Candle Nights special. Every year, the McElroy family uh, puts together a, an event called Candle Nights, where we raise money uh, for Harmony House in Huntington, West Virginia, which is uh, a place that helps people who are experiencing homelessness. Um, and this year, we're doing it virtual again. We've got some special guests and in videos. We've got segments uh, from all of us. It's going to be airing on December 16th at 9 p.m. Eastern time, and then it will be available for two weeks after that. Tickets are only $5, but there is an option to give more if you would like to support Harmony House even further. There is an event-exclusive poster that benefits Harmony House designed by Zach Sterling. And you can get your tickets now at bit.ly slash candlenights2023. If you enjoy listening to Teresa and I talk about stuff, we've been recording our uh, our yearly Great British Bake Off podcast called The Bake On so you can listen to that uh, wherever you find podcasts. Just listen to us talk about this season of Bake Off by searching for Bacon. Um, also, next Thursday uh, for Thanksgiving, we're putting out Till Death Do Us Blart uh, every year. Me, Justin Griffin, and our friends Tim and Guy watch and discuss Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 once a year, every year for the rest of our lives. Lots of lots of good goofs this year. I heard yes. some I heard some pretty riotous laughter. That's true. Uh once again it's called Till Death Do Us Bart. You can find it there. I'm gonna go ahead and say there won't be an episode next week um because of the holidays, but we'll be back the week after that. Um either that or we'll be putting it out early. I don't know, folks. You know <laughs> what I mean? Just keep your eyes peeled. We'll see what happens. What else, Teresa? Oh, and we want to say thank you to our editor, Rachel, without whom we would not be able to make this show. I want to say thank you to our researcher, Alex, without whom we could not make the show. And thank you for you for listening. Why would we make this show without you, you silly goose? We also always thank Brent, Brent Floss Black, for writing our theme music, which is available as a ringtone where those are found. Also, thank you to Brewhop Eddie Pennant Photography for the cover picture of our fan-run Facebook group, Schmanners Fanners. If you love to give and get excellent advice from other fans, go ahead and join that group today. As always, we are taking your topic submissions, your idiom submissions, and, you know, just general chat-em-ups. You can uh, send those to... <laughs> what are I you just really, I thought that me? was very cute. I enjoyed that immensely. Send those to schmannerscast at gmail.com and say hi to Alex, who reads everyone. And that's going to do it for us. So join us again next week. No RSVP required. You've been listening to Schmanners. Manners, Schmanners. Get it? Maximum Fun, a worker-owned network of artist-owned shows, supported directly by you.